love one another, forgive, judge not, fear not. It's all such great advice with beautiful outcomes, but none of those principles is a one-step process. So let's talk specifics, the messy step-by-step. Welcome to, but how though, in a bunch of other spiritual conundrums. Welcome back. All right, so most of you know, I've got two podcasts, but they're separate and they're very different. And although some of the topics or themes for the podcasts might overlap sometimes, I definitely do not, you know, create one episode and then release it on both podcasts. But this week I'm gonna. This episode is for both podcasts and it's also coming with a warning. (laughs) Buckle up. Shiz is about to get really real because this is our Valentine's episode and love is no joke. A couple years ago in March of 2019, I released an episode called March Birthdays Are the Best. It was the story of how husband and I met. It is a fantastically magical and gorgeously awkward story and I love it. It has all the meant to be qualities of a great love story beginning and if it were a movie, The ending would be our wedding day that alludes to all the happily ever after-ish feels you want from a good love story. But in reality, (laughs) that is not the way that love stories go. So to preface the real love story here, I should mention that I have issues. (laughs) Okay, we all do, right? Like deep-seated issues stemming from trauma, from pain, from misunderstandings. And those issues drive a narrative in our minds and motivate our behaviors and blind us to the truth about ourselves and others and mess us all up. So with that in mind, I come to this new meant to be relationship with all my issues and husband comes with his. We are, as you can imagine, blissfully unaware of the magnitude of the issues we brought. We don't even know they're packed in our suitcase with us as we head out on our honeymoon and set up house afterward. We don't know the issues are there in every conversation and every interaction and in all the lenses we use to view the conversations and interactions. We just think we're starting the most epic love story in the history of mankind and a love story where we would face the challenges, but we would face them together and we would never falter because we had each other and love is all you need. John Lennon sang it, people, and I believed it 100%. But for some reason, this belief in love did not give me the safety and security it sounds like it would. Like, it sounds like it should. It gave me the exact opposite. I came into that love story with some very large fears, which then turned into me feeling I had to prevent the outcome of those fears. And they're very similar. Fear number one, husband would eventually look around, realize he could have and probably should have done better and leave me. Fear number two, husband would get bored, get involved with someone else, cheat on me, break up the marriage, and he'd either leave me or I would have to leave him because it was too painful. Or fear number three, I wasn't good enough for husband, but since I had duped him into the relationship, God himself would intervene on husband's behalf and take me out in an early death and husband would then be free to move on with someone better to raise our kids with. I don't care how crazy these sound. Okay. These were my truth. These fears did not come because I met husband. They didn't come because the opposite of the love I felt was the risk associated with loving. And so the fears naturally developed from the love. No, no, no. These were deep. These were decades deep 
fears. They came from the basic belief I held about myself. But I didn't know that. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a basic belief about myself lurking outside the realm of my awareness. Okay, so I sure as hell didn't know it was driving the way I behaved in all of my relationships, including the epic love husband and I had. Also, if someone would have told me that, I'm not sure I would have been able to get behind that idea. But then the rest of our life unfolded and the evidence (laughs) for my fear driving my actions was undeniable. Husband and I have enjoyed one of those marriages that people legit compared their marriages to. I know because they would say it. And if I'm completely honest, I kind of loved that. People would comment on how perfect our relationship seemed, even even while paying lip service to the fact that they knew we weren't perfect people. They would, in the same breath, comment on how, despite our imperfections, we'd somehow figured out the secret to a perfectly healthy and perfectly functioning marriage. And I let them say it. I even let myself believe it for some of the reasons that I'll get to later. But the important thing was it looked just the way I wanted it to look. It took work to craft the stage version of our marriage. And the really sad thing is it even fooled both of us. We loved each other. We loved our kids. We cheered each other on. We spent time together. We did all the things that healthy couples did regularly. Date nights, family time, hobbies, aligning our spiritual goals, vacations just for us, regular sex. We checked all the damn boxes. But my fears of not being good enough for him never went away, no matter how many boxes I checked. In fact, it just made me want to find more boxes to check. From the outside, the marriage looked so healthy, so well-rounded, so complete. But on the inside, I was desperate. I didn't realize what I was doing. I didn't see that my not feeling good enough for him drove me to insane amounts of things on my plate. Maybe if I volunteered in the kids' classrooms, that would impress him. Maybe if I helped other people talk through their relationship problems, he'd be proud that he was married to me. If I'm the team mom, if I dye my hair, if I lose 20 pounds, if I, if I, if I. And you know what? I subconsciously re-auditioned for the role of a husband's wife every single day. I didn't know why I was doing it. All I knew was I felt pressure every time a new opportunity to do something came up. And I felt guilt if I didn't do all the things. And I felt compelled to do as much as I could. Start as many businesses. Do as many things. (laughs) as I could. And I never once related it to my marriage. I was just so anxious, so desperate, so overwhelmed. And at the end of every day, I was so tired and I had never achieved what I set out to do. Never. Now, this was all happening because deep inside, I had a belief I was clinging to. On his side, he had beliefs about himself too, which were driving his actions and his decisions, but I didn't know them. I didn't even know mine and I had actual access to them. (laughs) Well, I had him on this pedestal, right? I had him playing this role of the person hiring for the position that I was applying for. The person I had to earn the right to be with or to prove my worth to stand next to. And I kept that up 
until I couldn't anymore. And I had a mental breakdown. So many things went into this mental breakdown that we could never cover all the contributing factors in one episode. So we're just going to sum it up by saying the plate of surprising and impressive feats that I was carrying around got super full. (laughs) The things on my plate that I was using to earn his love while proving my value was piled so high that when something hard happened in my life, I didn't have the capacity to deal with it. I had no emotional bandwidth for an extra thing because I'd been operating at capacity for so long. I didn't have the space or the ability to handle it. So that plate overflowed and I didn't just spill the contents of the plate. The weight of it actually threw my entire balance off and I tripped and the plate went flying and I went flying and I collided with like everyone around me as I went down. Okay. Full mental breakdown. And it wasn't pretty. And I felt really badly about myself. And I felt really sorry for husband. He had to live with a person that couldn't get her crap together. And it was getting on everyone around her. And now more people had to dig in and clean the crap fest. And no one likes cleaning that. Okay. And I'm sure that other people felt sorry for him too. He had a broken wife. Well, this is where this story gets a little tricky. Because that last straw The thing that overflowed my plate was an issue of husbands that he had put on my plate. That caused the plate to overflow and me to lose my balance and fall down and make the mess. And because the mess we're talking about is a full mental breakdown, I had to process the mess in stages. And it looked something like this. Stage one, I'm the worst. I should have prevented husband from having this happen in the first place. If I had done X, Y, and Z, I'm sure that never would have happened to him. And then when it did happen, I I should have handled it and I couldn't. And now we're in this mess. The mess, by the way, looked like a complete stripping of anything extra on my mind. I had to concentrate on getting well and that was it. I was in several intensive therapy programs and that was all I could spend my energy on. So when I say a complete stripping of anything extra, I mean volunteering. I mean helping the kids with homework. I mean all of my hobby jobs and businesses had to shut down. We even had to get rid of our chickens. And I loved our chickens. But all non-essential personnel had to go. It was sad and humiliating because I had to back out of things I had actually committed to. I was the team mom that had to call the soccer coach and say, I'm sorry, I can't handle this right now mid-season because I couldn't handle my own emotions. But husband was the strong one. Husband had to hold down the fort while I found myself again. And what a saint, because it was not an easy process. But then in my cleaning process, I had to examine what the thing was that had been placed on my plate by husband. I had to look at that final straw that had been too much and deconstruct it and really dig in and see it. And you guys, that pedestal that I had placed husband on exploded in a glorious blaze of blame. (laughs) Just look at that issue he handed me. How dare he? That wasn't mine. And look what happened to me because I took it on. This wasn't me accidentally getting lost because I was weak. This was him stranding me in a strange place and then asking why I wasn't home to make dinner yet. This was him 
expecting me to protect him from the emotional consequences of his issues because that's the role we've always placed me in, right? I've got to do all the things and I've got to feel all the roles in everyone's life because I'm the mom and he's the dad and he gets to be waited upon while I work because emotional work is a me job and I got to figure it all out and then just hand it to him finished. And I said all these things because I didn't realize I was the one who placed myself in those roles. I said all these things because I wanted them to be true. I said all these things because I didn't realize that I had built the pedestal. So when I violently ripped him off the pedestal, (laughs) it was all in an attempt to believe I was valuable. And instead of seeing him as above me on the pedestal and working my butt off all the time and trying to earn his love or prove my worth, I took him down and started competing with him in a very specific competitions in which I could find myself the winner. Okay, I had to be superior because now I was looking to find my value in this way. I'd been inferior our whole marriage, and that was wrong. And I started to see the ways in which I'd been engaging in these micro competitions with him for our whole marriage, keeping score, who changed the most diapers, who cleaned the bathroom the most, who mowed the lawn, Because I was caught up in this inferiority, superiority cycle. And now at this stage, when I had to look at this mess, he was no longer above me. And I engaged in a micro competition that I could win. So it was no longer a question of how will I earn this relationship? Now it was, he is lucky to have me. And I will make sure he knows I'm doing him a favor in this relationship. And he will have to prove that he values that. And if he doesn't, I will point it out at every opportunity with my words. I don't know if you know this, but I love words. I love taking the time to find just the right word, to do just the right job in all of my communications. And I have spent a lot of time honing this skill and I'm very good at it. I can use words to lift and build and I love doing that most of all, but I also know how to tear a person apart using just my words and I can do it very quickly and efficiently. And I did. So the pedestal explosion caused other explosions, as you might imagine. And husband and I found ourselves 16 years into a relationship and feeling a lot of tension in our interactions with each other and our kids because we were both judging each other, looking for ways to judge each other, scrutinizing each other's handling of every situation because we were both fighting to feel valuable. But we didn't know. So we went for the cheapest, easiest version of feeling good about oneself, which is just to feel better than another person. We nitpicked, we fought, we rolled our eyes, we passive aggressively mocked and or commented (laughs) on each other's behaviors. We directly or indirectly brought things to the other's attention that they needed to work on, which weirdly didn't inspire either of us to work very hard on ourselves at all. And after I really examined what husband had put on my plate that straw, I said to him, husband, this is bull crap and that shouldn't be on my plate. And he very maturely said, you're right. It shouldn't. I'll take that. That's mine. I'll fix it. So I handed it over. And then he didn't seem to be doing anything to fix his issue. And I said, husband, you're not fixing it. And you said you would. So then I took it back and I put it on my plate. And as soon as I felt it on my plate again, it felt so heavy and so scary and just plain wrong. And so I said, again, this should be yours. And he said, okay, I'll take it. 
And then I would tentatively hand it over with that look on my face. You know, the look that's like, are you sure you've got this? And he would nod and hold out his hand for the thing. And I would successfully give the fixing of his issue back to him for a few months. But if he wasn't doing what I thought he should be doing to fix it, I got scared all over again. I got scared because if he did nothing to fix this issue, it felt like he was saying, I don't care if it hurts her. It's not worth my time, which is like saying, even if this issue makes my marriage crumble, I'm not going to fix it because it's too much work, which meant the marriage, our relationship, me, I wasn't worth his time. I had done so much our whole marriage to earn my place at his side and, and it still wasn't enough. He didn't value that. He didn't value me. Oh, that hurt. That hurt so bad. And I tried to articulate it sometimes and husband heard my words, but he didn't know how to fix that because no matter how many times he said he valued me and that his issue didn't have anything to do with me, he wasn't proving that by fixing the issue. So the hurt came out mostly in anger and in pointing out all the ways he could be working on his issue, which would prove to me how lovable and worthwhile and valuable I was, which was clearly his job, right? He had issues. He needed to fix them. I realize right now by my not naming the issue, it's going to cause every listener to speculate, what's husband's issue? (laughs) What is this big thing he's got to work on? But I'm not naming it because it doesn't matter. But let's say it was something as simple as he wanted to get into better shape. And he put the responsibility of that on me. Like he wanted me to come up with an eating and an exercise plan. And if I would just do that and then shop for the right food and schedule his exercise into his calendar and choose all of the right kinds of exercises, then he would have a shot at getting into better physical shape. And then just let me know when you've got that ready for me. Thanks, honey. Let's say it was that. And that deep down the issue was that he wanted results, but he was afraid that even if he tried it, it wouldn't work because he's tried diets and exercise before and the results either weren't what he wanted or they weren't sustainable and he got out of shape again and that meant he was a failure or that he wasn't good enough no matter what he did. And that was a story that he'd been telling himself all of his life. And this was just another example of validating that. And he wanted me to make sure that he didn't fail because if left on his own, he would fail. And that's how it ended up on my plate. As an example, you know, it could be one of a million things really, but the point is we started using the relationship not as a thing to enjoy and grow from, but as a thing to validate our own beliefs about ourselves. And I was using his flaws to make myself feel better about my issues. And I had done so much work in therapy to solve my issues. The least he could do was try to solve some of his own issues, right? And then I would engage in that micro competition in my mind. I'm working on myself. He's not working on himself. So I'm superior. And maybe that will prove to him that I'm valuable. And then the narrative repeats. I'm not valuable. At least he doesn't think so. Ouch, that really hurts. I better do something about that. I'll prove that I'm valuable. Okay, that didn't work. But why should I have to prove that I'm valuable? I am valuable. I shouldn't have to prove it, but I'm not feeling it. Okay, so he should prove I'm valuable by the things that he does and says. Wait, nothing that he's doing or saying is proving that I'm valuable. So he's not doing enough. Maybe if he did more, he won't do more. I guess I'm not valuable. It's a sick, vicious cycle. It's a powerfully harmful 
cycle repeating over and over inside this beautiful love story. My love story, the one that was meant to be. And now these issues that we both brought are poisoning us from the inside. And my therapist could say stuff like, you've got to learn you have value with or without him. You've got to learn you have value with or without him engaging on working on anything in himself. And I would say, I know. (laughs) And husband would say to me, Rachel, I love you. And I would say, I love you too. And we would both mean it. But a lot of the time, neither of us could feel it. And then one day, something amazing happened. After all the years of personal growth work, podcasts, therapy sessions, reading material, oh, the incredible amounts of reading material. (laughs) One day I set a boundary. I set a boundary in my marriage and I realized this is one relationship neither of us had ever set boundaries in before. We ignorantly believed that because we loved each other so hard and so purely and that we were so meant to be that we wouldn't need to set boundaries And actually, if we did, it might even be detrimental because it might hurt the other person's feelings or undermine the unconditional love thing that we had going if we put up boundaries. But because of the issues we both had and weren't able to solve by telling the other to solve it, I set a boundary. It wasn't a big thing. Something as simple as that I would respect my own time by not allowing an interruption to my work during a certain block of time because I had routinely taught myself His time was more valuable than my time. So if he needed me anytime, night or day, I would drop whatever I was doing and address whatever it was that he needed, no matter what I was doing. And this boundary would be that I would respect my own time. So even if he texted me or came out of his office to visit me because he had a break, if I didn't have a break, I would honor my work time. And when it came time, the husband challenged that boundary. This does not look like a confrontation. It doesn't look like, what? You set a boundary? Why would you do that? Does that mean you never want to talk to me? It just looked like if he wanted to talk to me or if he called and I was in the middle of something, I held on to my value. I held on to my boundary, which was I will honor my time. So I honored my time and I didn't prioritize his time above my time. I mean, guilt, shame, and fear, that all quickly came rushing in. But this time I held my boundary. And then I set a few more. And very quickly, I'm talking about within weeks, I started to trust myself more. And I didn't even realize that I had been missing self-trust until it started to enter. And husband and I had a lot of talks in this time about the boundaries. We talked about why boundaries were necessary for me at this point. And that immediately made him think he shouldn't have challenged a boundary in the first place. The only reason that I would need to set a boundary is because he violated a boundary. And so he needed to figure out what my boundaries were so that he never crossed them. And then he took on the responsibility of defending my boundary. And I wasn't telling him that he couldn't ever call me during the day or come looking for me when he had a break. He wasn't supposed to know every single minute of my day and know when he could or couldn't approach me. I had to choose when I would be available. He didn't need to worry about what he might do or say that would trigger my defenses. In other words, he didn't have to defend my boundary. The boundary was mine to maintain and I would do it calmly and kindly. And a miraculous thing started to happen. I started to feel valuable. It was huge. So I started to do a little bit more work 
and <laughs> engage in a little bit more study about boundaries. And I started to see that husband's issues were separate from my issues. I started to feel less angry about what he was or was not doing either to me or to himself. And that was huge. I know stories are great because we get the excitement of the beginning and the unpredictability of the conflict in the middle. And then we get the, all the lessons from the tidy end and then everything makes sense. And I'm really sorry that I don't have that for you right now because husband and I are still in the middle of this epic love story. We're still working on this. I legitimately went to a workshop this week to learn more and to teach me more so that I can figure out what I've got to do for my own self-love. And frankly, we are both a couple of emotional screw-ups and our life right now includes a lot of books, a lot of workshops, a lot of therapists, and a lot of uncomfortable talks, but we are really trying. And even though we're not to the tidy end of these personal issues in this love story, there are a few things that I can say for sure. Whatever the obstacles that will be in our path, we will face them. And we have so many resources, including but not limited to each other. And some parts of the obstacles that we will face in our life together, we'll be able to band together and face those obstacles as a team. And some of those obstacles will be ours to work through separately. But my role in his life is not that of constant auditioner or job candidate. I don't have to prove anything to him. And my role is not that of nag or insurance policy. I don't have to make sure anything happens for him. I'm his partner, but I'm also an incredibly valuable individual. And if I can learn to see myself clearly enough, I'll be able to stand by his side and cheer him on while he navigates his crap. <laughs> or I'll be able to hold his hand and listen to his cheering while I navigate my own crap. And then we both become bigger and better because we chose to have this kind of relationship. And no matter what he chooses in the future, I can still choose to learn and grow and to learn to love myself. I can do as much work as it takes to understand and enjoy my life because my life, my happiness is worth it. I don't need him to do work on his life to prove that I'm worth it. I don't need him to prove to me by the choices he makes or the way he behaves that I'm valuable. If I can just understand that my value is inviolable and my work on myself adds to my happiness, then all my relationships will be epic. And this love story can finally feel on the inside what I tried to make it look like from the outside because the love will be completely full inside of me. That's all I got for this week. I'm Rachel Larson. Please join me again next week, whether it's on Humans Dealing with Humans or But How Though or both. And if you want to know more about my personal journey of self-love and self-acceptance and navigating relationships, or maybe you've got something to share with me, since obviously it's a work in progress, please hit me up on any of the social media, the Humans Dealing with Humans website, or even an old-fashioned email. I would love to hear from you. And remember... No growth occurs unless we're willing to ask ourselves and others some pretty difficult questions, especially, but how though? And also, in all our levels of love and navigating relationships, we're all just a bunch of humans dealing 
with other humans.